0: South Africa have free and fair elections next year. We speak to the IEC's Malweto Mozari. Welcome, sir.
1: Good morning, Chris. Good morning to your uh, viewers uh, as well as your listeners and uh, the many South Africans uh, uh, that reached your 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 broadcast.
0: So as the Deputy Chief Electoral Officer of the Independent Electoral Commission of South Africa, what assurances can you give the nation that we can look forward to a free and fair election?
1: Well, uh, the assurance we can give is to say first you've got to know what makes a credible free and fair election. Um, Obviously, we've got to talk about the legislative framework? Does it allow for a free and a fair election to take place? And certainly in South Africa, we have a number of legislative frameworks that guarantee us a free election. We start with our constitution, particularly 1D, that sets the scene on what kind of an Election, we must have a South African, the multi party democracy, universal franchise for South Africans. So, 1D is a significant provision uh, for the political arrangement. Then we go to the Bill of Rights, uh, guaranteeing freedoms of uh, association, politics, freedom to choose to participate. Uh, who you participate alongside with, and uh, that gives us a particular guarantee. Then we move on to the electoral system. That directs us to have general proportionality in the outcome of the election. So in that sense, it allows for an inclusive political uh, process or electoral process. So it gives various guarantees. Then we go to Chapter 9, where they establish then the Electoral Commission as an independent body. And they also protect this body from interference by the state uh, and the executive arm of government. And then you take the National Commission Act on how commissioners are appointed. We've just concluded the appointment of a fifth commissioner. Commissioner last month as a country. We now have uh, Miss Janet Love re- uh, appointed as a commissioner. So that process is transparent. It involves citizens doing nominations and then it's presided for in public, and all the interviews uh, to the candidates are in the public space. So that process on its own is a good. Process to give assurances. Then we have the Electoral Act, which is the main act that governs how we decide voting stations, who we recruit to work at voting stations, and how do we conduct the actual registration of voters, uh, the voters' role structure, uh, and then how does the voting occur at the voting station who watches over that process. There's domestic observers. There's international observers who are given the right to be at the voting station. There's the media, which also has access and right to the voting process. So in that sense, it gives you a a very transparent process to a point where we say it is unlikely that any official of the commission Would want to do uh, something untoward and against the prescribed uh, processes. The last um, key check is definitely making sure that political contestants have people who are watching the process for them, the party agents uh, who are there throughout uh, from special votes through to counting and signing off the results sleep, they are part of the process. So in that context, we are assuring ourselves that it's not only electoral officials who know what's going on, who are part of the process. All of these key stakeholders are basically uh, watching what the electoral officials are doing. So what we give you at the end of the electoral process is true to the confirmation of those who watched over the polling process and the counting process, uh, and therefore the allocation. Now, the law also becomes a final test whether what we are declaring as an outcome of the election has complied with the legal framework of the country. So all of those things should say to South Africans, indeed the commission will give us a credible election and it will be free and it will be fair to all contestants but beyond that uh, we adhere to a uh, regional principles of free and fair elections as a commission and then also at the continental level and at a global level there are guidelines and pro, uh, and 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 sort of uh, conventions that we must adhere to to ensure that we give a credible election to our citizens.
0: Now, just recently in Zimbabwe, there were chaotic scenes at the polling booths, and that resulted in a verdict of not free How can that be prevented?
1: We with us, um, we as we. We, what we do in South Africa, besides all the provisions I've mentioned, in a program of preparing for elections, we have a very important committee which we, call, which we call the National Party Liaison Committee, where the political parties are participants in that committee. As a commission, we come and share with them every step in the preparation of the election. So you will not have a political party who complains about the location of voting stations. You wouldn't have a political party who says we did not present the people who are presiding in voting stations as staff because we present those so that you can say, no, know, is too biased, he can't manage a voting station. So... We take them along the way with us, briefing them on every step and giving an opportunity to object or make representation or submission. Uh, and if you take in our case one of the electoral court decisions uh, of 2021, uh, sorry to reference a political party on the action as a local. The court said you can't be asking the Commission to interfere with given administrative procedures that apply to everybody else. And and because we had followed systematically the process administratively together with political parties, everyone understood that court outcome to mean that even also when we dealt with the case in 2021 of uh, some parties, including the ANC, who had missed submission of candidates. When we explained uh, that the reason candidate nomination is reopening is not favoring those who had missed the opportunity, but it is the correct and fair procedure, uh, given the fact that the court... Has changed the closing date of the voters' roll. They've allowed for more registration to take place, basically reopening the voters' roll. So we aligned to that to that decision of the court. But when that was challenged again a few weeks after, the court confirmed that there's nothing amiss or unfair for us to reopen. Uh, the, the, the the timetable in the way we did. So you, you get round possible controversies by inclusion of political parties, but also allowing litigation to be taken through its fullness. And we have court judgments that support that the decisions we have made this far have not been decisions that favor in particular political contestant; it, its decisions that advance the fair administration of elections. So we should not have issues with that with our polit uh, political parties and political contestants.
0: Now, talking about party agents at polling booths, how many polling booths are there in South Africa, and how many party agents would it take to have two per party
1: per voting station? We currently have 23,296 voting stations in the country uh, spread across rural urban areas. There's a voting station near every voter to ensure that uh, access is guaranteed for all. So there's 23,296 voting stations Uh, at each venue. A, a, a party that is contesting elections is entitled to two party agents. And an independent, in terms of the local government legislation, which has been uh, borrowed to be used for national elections, would qualify for one party agent per voting station. Now, your question is slightly tricky in the sense that until we know which political parties are contesting this election, we can realistically estimate how many party agents are there, but does the venue allow us to accommodate all of them? I mean, last election, we had eight political parties, which meant that we had about 96 party agents. Uh, and uh, in a small rural classroom, 96 uh, party agents is not possible to fit. So we had to find an arrangement, given the circumstances where parties alternate uh, the watching of the poll throughout the day. Weather being good, we took some of the processes to be outside uh, the classroom, uh, on the verandas of schools where we're using schools so that all 96 can observe that. Uh, Basically, the checking of the voters' role we can do out there. Secondly, the issuing of ballots we can do out there so that when a person goes inside, it's merely marking the ballot and depositing it in the ballot box. So in that way, we try and make localized arrangements to that venue, uh, and sometimes they work very well and sometimes they do not. In big civic center halls in the major urban centers, it is very easy to accommodate all 96 without having to make special arrangements. So it depends on each venue we are using as a voting station, uh, and we are now... Uh, been talking to political parties that let's maybe regulate possibilities of arrangements at a local level a uh, voting station level so that it's not seen as biased or favored uh, in particular political party so we're talking those kinds of discussions at this moment
0: are party agents screened in in way whatsoever or do they just turn up on the day with mandate from the own parties and are
1: accepted and we we don't screen them as in assessing them as the electoral commission but we they must meet the basic requirements they are registered voters they are South african citizens and they have a letter of appointment by the political party they represent that's all we do we normally help political parties train their party agents where they bring them to the training session. Sometimes they ask us to train uh, their trainers as political parties who in, that in turn train uh, the party agents. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a an, an space where we leave the political party to deploy party agents the best way. They want to watch the election.
0: Just moving from parties to independent candidates, uh, what are the plans for looking at the political funding of those independent candidates?
1: Well, uh, citizens will know that uh, we have the Political Party Funding Act, which came into operation two years ago. We are on its third year. Uh, and parties are getting used to complying with that piece of legislation. It provides for three things. One, the multi-party fund where we are inviting business uh, individuals to make contributions to uh, the existence of political parties. Secondly, we do have uh, funds from the public uh, fiscus. Uh, that we also allocate to political parties. So the multi-party fund and the uh, represented political parties fund, uh, we distribute all of those funds to the benefit of political parties. And then the third uh, leg is uh, uh, disclosures, where parties receive funding directly from individuals, uh, uh, companies, and other entities, they must declare from whom they receive the fund because there are those uh, South Africans and businesses who prefer to fund a particular political party, they can do so. Uh, It's still legal to do so, except that you must disclose and make it public. And then uh, in the multi-party fund, if you put funds there, we will distribute them on an equitable basis and on proportional basis to all the political parties that are represented. So that's the uh, approach that we take. Now, with independence, we do not distribute funds to people who are contesting the election. We distribute these funds to those who are elected into office. So post the election 2024, uh, those independents who have won seats will also benefit from the two funds, and they will also have to disclose who supported them as independent. Uh, to contest the election. So all of those of what applies to political parties will also apply to the independents who do get a seat and win uh, in the elections uh, 2020.
0: But does that mean they do not have to disclose this time? who is funding? At this stage,
1: do not know who is an independent, who is not an independent, until they lodge their document? And we confirm that they qualified independence. Uh, At that point, they will then be expected, but post them winning a seat, to disclose who funded them, who supported them with the funds that they used to compete.
0: If I may just ask you, what is the ISC doing now to motivate younger people to register?
1: Well, we doing a few things that we hope will uh, help us answer basic information about voting, uh, about registering to vote. Uh, But the more important question is uh, why participate in a democracy? So that's a question that uh, cuts across all age groups, but particularly for young people uh, middle-aged persons uh, who may be disillusioned or about a few things in uh, in their experiences uh, political. All of those, uh, the question is, why should I bother to go and vote? And that's the question we are trying to to ask. So we've uh, purposefully visited tertiary institutions We visited all high schools in the country. We are now moving into community structures where we find young people, be it uh, faith-based organizations, be it developmental organizations, or even entertainment organizations, to find spaces where young people congregate and pass on our message on saying it is a responsibility that we should all honour and we should all um, take seriously uh, to participate in elections. But we also have gone into various social media and digital media platforms uh, to do these exchanges. We have a very vibrant WhatsApp line Uh, which young people are starting to enjoy going there for information about registration as well as about voting and why bother about an election. So we're doing all of those digital platforms. We hope to catch uh, our citizens uh, overseas through our digital platforms as well as uh, broadcast and media. But Purposefully we are talking to department <clears throat> of uh, <coughs> excuse me uh, of uh, of of international relations to look at specifically where south africans congregate in each country to be able to share uh, more messages about the election but we are planning a very specific uh, registration a uh, process for overseas, uh, South Africans, Uh, and because they are not in the country and some of them may not still be holding a physical address in the country, we need a different uh, voter registration platform for them which is almost ready and we should be able to activate it uh, mid-December. So when we, in our planning, we say January is a month for our overseas citizens to go online and register. We are trying to ensure that they use the online system in the main to register. But those who prefer to visit their mission in those countries, our missions in those countries, they, they can do so and they will be assisted to register and be on the voters' hall. Voting will announce more uh, arrangements for overseas voters somewhere in March because some of the matters that are before the courts and before parliament, we also deal with uh, provisions being made for overseas
0: voters. Can you give us a hint as to the date? Oh, <laughs> to the
1: date. <laughs> well, uh, I'll give you a definite period, which is uh, uh, the 18th of May to the 15th of August. The election will be between those dates. Uh, Why I'm definite about it? Because the Constitution gives us a five-year term, and uh, that five-year term ends on the 18th of May 2024. And then the Constitution says to us, the election must then be held within 90 days. And that 90 days takes us to the 15th of August. Uh, And then uh, any Wednesday in that period is a possible election date. And uh, the consultation process between the commission and the president has not concluded. uh, And obviously, the appropriate authority to announce the election date is the president, so we will await the president on the exact date, but the period is constitutionally prescribed. It's known. It's
0: Thank you. That was Mr. Mawaito Moseri of the Independent Electoral Commission speaking to Business about the prospects of a free and fair election in South Africa next year. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you.